0: We are in Mark chapter thirteen. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called "Images of Jesus." That slide up there reflects the the theme, the thought of the series. The book of Mark, most scholars believe, was the first of the Gospels to be written, and some of the other uh, the guys who wrote Matthew and Luke and John borrowed a bit from Mark. But Mark's theme, his his understanding, it the 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 principle behind his writing of the Gospel are just quick snapshots of images of Jesus. This is who Jesus was, and this is what, what he is here to, to tell us about. And so Mark is his gospel probably about 30 or 40 years after Christ died and resurrected, and he's writing it to Christians in Rome. And it's important for us as we get through, as we continue on tonight, and you, you hear some of this message tonight, to, to come to grips with, with the context that Mark is writing to. We can learn we can apply the principles that we learned tonight in three different categories. First, Jesus is teaching his disciples. And then second, Mark is writing to Roman Christians. And thirdly, for us in our generation, our culture now. But the second part of that, Mark writing to Roman Christians is this. Uh, in Rome, at the time of this writing, the the emperor is killing Christians for being Christians. And so most of the time, most Christians, if they are caught being Christians, they are executed by being impaled on a big giant, what amounts to a telephone pole, and impaled on that, that pole and lit on fire to, to serve as lights for Nero and his, his garden parties, his nighttime parties, so he can have light, he burns Christians. So that is the fate of a lot of the people who are reading this. And uh, as, as we get through, we're going to hear a phrase tonight called the abomination of desolation. Really intense language that we'll hear a lot tonight. And as we we hear that, understand that the readers of Mark, as he's writing this to them about Christ, are experiencing this great persecution. All right. So we have to connect with that. And also another bit of context for us tonight: this is about three days before Jesus will be on his cross and dying. All right. So this is the really the last opportunity for Jesus to really teach. And invest his disciples. And the, the plan of God throughout all of mankind. Is to redeem his people. Is to send Jesus to the earth. Live this perfect life. And then die on the cross. And then resurrect. And then ascend back into heaven. And he's going to leave that story. With these 12 disciples. So their understanding of what's happening. And their teaching of what's happening. When Jesus ascends back into heaven. Is essential to the redemptive plan of God. So this that being said, and understanding that this is the last time Jesus will really teach his disciples, this is a really, really important teaching for Christ to his disciples, and we can apply that to ourselves here as we go. You follow all that? Tonight is really a warning from Jesus. It is the point of Christ here is how to live and act in evil times. Jesus' point as he's teaching these people is how to live and act in evil times, and he can teach his disciples that, and then the, the the people that Mark is writing to can glean from that they're living in evil times because Nero is killing people just for being Christians, and now here in our generation we can apply this to our lives because these times are evil. You don't have to look around too far to see the evil is present in the world, the, the hatred and the, the racism and and all of the different atrocities that that man perpetrates on man in this in this time. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and in in. Direct relation. He's teaching us how to act and how to live in uh, evil times. There's a comment as we're walking through this guy named William Lane, and uh, William Lane says this: the primary element in Jesus' counsel is exhortation, motivated by deep pastoral concern for his people. And what that's talking about? This is Dave last week's sermon. Uh, the first few verses of, of chapter 13. I'm going to do the second half. And what? These, this proclamation of Jesus, this teaching is called by scholars, it's called the... the last time I said that he's teaching his disciples. And that Olivet Discourse is what William Lane is talking about here. The primary element of what Jesus is saying in this teaching is exhortation that's motivated by deep pastoral concern for his people. So as we read this, as we talk about this, as we follow along with, with what God has that, to say to us tonight, connect with, with that concept that this is motivated, this teaching by Jesus is motivated by a deep pastoral concern for your life. Because we are living in evil times and Jesus is helping us to be able to, to act and to to respond and live here in these evil times. Last week, I, I just said, Dave did the the first half of the Olivet Discourse, what we're going to, in the midst of, of what we'll, we'll see tonight. And uh, he he brought to us seven... Uh, imperatives that Christ brings to us. And, and those are on the screen coming up. Uh, the seven things that he that Dave walked us through, that Jesus teaches in the first half of the Olivet Discourse, trying to bring us up to speed for the rest of what we're going to talk about tonight. First, see things eternally and properly. Um, scripture says in other places, you are not of this world. You are an alien in this world. You are not designed to be here. It also says in 1 Corinthians that ears heard, nor mind is perceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. When we have eternal perspective in evil times, we have to see that as our goal. We as Like a, a rabbit chasing chasing a carrot or, or a dog chasing a rabbit. We have to see that in front of us, that no eye has seen, nor ears heard, nor mind God has prepared for us who love Him. In the midst of evil times to have that eternal focus is a priority. And it's not just a priority, it's what Christ has given us is an imperative to do. Second, don't be led astray. Tonight we're going to talk about false Christ. And you've you've heard about the Antichrist. We're going to see him here tonight. And, and different Antichrists. Don't be led astray by people claiming to be Savior. Because they're not. The times are evil. Third one, don't be alarmed. Um, pain and difficulty and evil, when it wreaks havoc in our lives and in the those around us, it can lead to confusion. Don't be alarmed because the days are evil, so evil is going to happen to you. Evil is going to happen to those around you. I visited a, a, another church this morning and, and I, I bumped into a girl that I, I went to like first grade through twelfth grade with and uh, hadn't seen her. I just We just had my 20 year reunion a couple of months ago and I didn't see her there. I hadn't seen her in 20 years. Her dad died yesterday. And it was uh, a, a rough thing, and imagine, you know, hey, Karen, how are you? I haven't seen you in forever. Why, why, why are you? do you go to the church? Oh no, I don't go to the church, but my dad did, and he just died yesterday. The times are evil, and and difficulty happens in our lives. Christ, in this Olivet pastoral discourse to our lives, don't be alarmed because the days are evil. Don't be led astray. See things eternally. Fourth. Be on your guard. Again, the days are evil. Not so much be on your guard as to not let bad stuff happen to you because it's going to happen. But be on your guard in light of don't be easily swayed. Don't be freaking out. Don't be confused by the fact that the times are evil. Be on your guard. And fifth, Jesus commanded us to proclaim the gospel. And that's not just talking about guys like me who stand up in front of people like you and preach. We need to proclaim the gospel to our own hearts all the time. When evil happens in our lives, when evil is present, when disaster approaches our lives, proclaim the gospel. Jesus Christ died for me and I have relationship with God because of Him dying for me. In the midst of my sin, I have acceptance with God. In evil times, we have to proclaim the gospel to each other and especially to our own hearts. Sixth, don't be anxious, but relax. Don't be anxious because these times are evil. And then the last thing... And that's a lot of where we will talk about tonight, to endure the difficulties of life. So now, we pick up with the second half of the Olivet Discourse. Um, I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 13, verse 14. It says this, But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to be, let the reader understand. that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved for the sake of the elect for whom He chose, but He shortened the days. And if anyone you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there He is, do not believe it. False Christs and prophets and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect on your guard i have told you all the things beforehand but in those days after that tribulation the sun will be darkened listen to the intense language but in those days after that tribulation the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near. At the very gates, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not Let's pray. God, I thank You for tonight. I thank You for this opportunity to, to proclaim Your Word before these people. God, I pray that You would guide our hearts and our minds, free us from distraction in these moments, God, and we might see You and see Your Word and see Your Son, Jesus Christ, and it might take root in our lives and in our hearts and change us at our very core. We thank You for Jesus. It's in His name I pray. Amen. So, the abomination of desolation. That is a a big, big word and a big phrase. What does it mean? It means this. Abomination of desolation has been translated as the idol that profanes. That is what he's teaching here. But when you see the idol that profanes, when you see evil beginning to reign, evil beginning to, to... to take root in this world, understand that it is supposed to be that way. It's that way from the beginning, and the end is coming. I want to give you a, a look. Go back again. I talked some background. To give you a, a bit more background. These guys, these disciples, have been following Jesus around in the last week of his life, and he's seen them be in conflict with these religious leaders, these these powerful, powerful people who will eventually kill him, and they've. He's seen them. Be confronted by Jesus and seen Jesus come into the temple just a few few verses ago. He's turning the t- the, the tables over in the and in, in the temple and Jesus is an angry guy. We we talked about we, we see our teachers and our grandmothers' houses with Jesus with long flowing hair and a soft beard and a white robe and kind of even gay looking Jesus. That's not Jesus was was a was a carpenter, really tough, strong guy, a very angry guy, and they've They've seen him this way, being strong, tough, and angry, and now they see Jesus teaching these these really, really difficult things, using words like abomination and desolation, and the moon is going to go dark, the sun is going to go dark, and stars are going to fall. It's really intense language, and so these guys are really confused, and Jesus has been predicting his death for a few weeks now, and and so there really, really there's an unsettling aura of uncertainty that surrounds these guys. And now Jesus is talking about this abomination of desolation. And as he's teaching these things, abomination of desolation, he is evoking memories and thoughts of Daniel. Daniel is an Old Testament book that's very about the end of the world and the destruction that's going to come before Jesus comes back, and the world is is no more. And so whenever Daniel is quoted. These images come back and conjure up in the minds of those who he's talking to. Jesus is very specific about using this language, abomination of desolation. I want to read. There's going to be on the screen three verses in in the book of Daniel that bring this sort of abomination of desolation, uh, this this phrase, this language to to the minds of these people. Daniel nine twenty seven is, is first, and it says. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Big, intense language. And these people that Jesus is teaching here would have known these verses. And so these, when abomination of desolation, when that phrase comes up, these apocalyptic images come into the mind of these people. Jesus being very pastoral with Daniel eleven thirty, forces from him shall appear, profane the temple and fortress. And they shall take away the regular burnt offering, and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. Again, the abomination of desolation, the idol that profanes somebody who is irreligious, somebody who is is uses. Profanity. And when I'm talking about profanity, I'm not talking about words that, that I'm not supposed to say as a pastor. I'm talking about things that are profane. An uh, idol that people worship brings profanity into the temple. That is the abomination of desolation. Daniel 12, 11. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, the abomination that makes desolate is set up. This is the images. These are the images that are being put forth into the minds of the hearers that Jesus is trying to be very pastoral with for them and his disciples, for Mark and the Roman Christians that he's writing to and for us here. And now don't be surprised. Don't freak out. Endure past when this abomination, this profanity in the things of God is are beginning to happen when evil reigns and when profanity reigns around the things of God. Don't. Be freaked out because our God is still in control. I want to step out of the story, step out of the message for a second, and and understand this. Halloween was yesterday, and a lot of evil stuff happens with Halloween, and and we think of a lot of evil things, and our mind is taken to demons and spirits, and you know Satan and all the the spiritual warfare that's happening. I want to I want to be clear about this one particular thing as we walk through this apocalyptic teaching of Jesus. We are on the team that wins. Understand that. There's a lot of difficult talk and a lot of seemingly evil winning but in the end when all is said and done when if when our team wins. I had a friend of mine in high school I went to church with him. He uh he was connecting with this guy who was a satan worshipper and trying to lead him to lead him to the things of Christ and and one of the things that he always said to him is that you know your team loses right in the end your team and the guy never had any response to that so as we walk through these abomination of desolation ideas and understanding know that our team wins it's like watching the 99 Super Bowl again. Mike Jones is going to make that tackle. No matter how many times we watch it, he's going to make the tackle. We're going to win. No matter how bad things look. So the phrase abomination and desolation is translated as the idol that profanes. So let's, let's get into the, the teaching here. In, in verse 14, he says, they flee to the mountains. In verse 15, he says, don't go home. Run away. In verse 16, he says, those who are at work, don't go back for your coat. Verse 17 and 18, it says if you're pregnant and nursing, you better pray that it doesn't happen in the wintertime. Because you're going to have to be outside and away when all this profanity comes, when it, when it hits the fan. You don't worry about stuff that you don't have. Run away, flee to the mountains. Jesus is teaching that this is going to be an intense time. The tribulation that's coming is very intense. I want to bring some, some stats to you. Uh, Verse 19, let's, let's read verse 19 first. Verse 19 says, For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. Uh, throughout the course of history, there have been, check this stat because it was astounding to me, 137 million people Throughout the course of history, have died from the bubonic plague. One hundred and thirty seven million people. To date, twenty five million people have died from AIDS. In three years in the United States, one hundred and eighty seven thousand people died from typhoid fever. In nineteen thirty two, five million Soviets died from famine. In nineteen twenty eight, three million people in China died from a drought. Three years later, ironically enough, 3.7 million people died in a flood. You yeah, got 3, 3 million people dying in a drought, same country, three years later, 3.7 million people die in a flood. Fifteen disasters since 1901 have happened worldwide that have killed more than 1 million people. Let me say that again. Fifteen natural disasters since 1901 throughout the, the world have killed more than a million people. World War II, fifty to seventy million people died. In World War One, eight point five million people died. Another seven point eight million people were never found, deemed missing in action. So almost sixteen million people in World War One dead. Let me read one phrase for you again. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation. That is scary. 137 million people died from one disease. 25 million people have died from AIDS. 50 to 70 million people died in World War II. 5 million people died in one year in one country from famine. This earth will experience a tribulation that has not been seen yet. That language ought to scare us to death. Verses 21 and 22 bring up the image of the false Christ. And then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or Look, there he is, do not believe it. False Christ and false prophets will arise. And perform signs and wonders and lead astray if possible. I want to stop for a second because this is this language is the Antichrist. And in our world, we think of the Antichrist. I had Kyle Google search Antichrist, and this is what he found. Kind of wicked looking, right? If Travis was here tonight, he'd say that's really cool looking. And, and when we see Antichrist, when we think of Antichrist... This is what we see. But that's a a tool of the the Antichrist himself. That's a tool of Satan. This is the guy we're looking for with snakes and broken crosses and just evil looking. Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Christ is a a term for who Jesus was. Christ, the, the word means the anointed one of God who came to save. So when we see that, the anointed one of God who came to save, anytime you see the word Messiah in the Old Testament, it's the same word as Christ in the New Testament. So when we see Antichrist, when we say false Christ, when we see false Savior, ultimately what it is is someone that we look to to place our hope in to save us. It's not a guy that looks evil. It is a guy that looks normal. And in our world, we are culture filled with a savior crisis. We are so freaked out. Everybody in this whole area for 45 miles around this point is worried about whether some Hispanic-born guy's elbow is going to be okay and whether or not he's going to sign long-term to play here for the rest of his career. We have a savior complex. We're all freaked out over whether some guy who Grew up in Oklahoma and used to play in Colorado and used to play in Oakland. And now he plays for us and took us to the playoffs. We're all petrified that he's going to go sign someplace else and chase money because we have a savior complex. Because we're all desperately looking for someone to come and guide us and lead us and save us. So we are totally susceptible to false Christ. There's a whole lot of people on this planet that, that or in this country that look to Barack Obama as our savior. I'm not going to some right-wing nut jobs or have already called him the antichrist. I'm not going to go that far. But we do place way too much hope and trust in him as our savior. And that's what a false Christ is. So as we look for people that are false Christ, for people to be on our guard against, don't look for this evil, bloody, vampire-looking guy, look for someone who the generations are placing hope and placing trust in their salvation for. I want to read those verses 21 and 22 again in light of this new understanding of what a false Christ is. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. Here is the one who's going to save us. Look, there he is. Do not believe it. False Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders and lead us to lead astray if possible the elect. Be on your guard. I have told you all about these things beforehand. When Jesus does come back, we're not going to wonder, is 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 that the Christ? Is that Jesus coming back to bring his people back to heaven? Is that him? We're not going to have to wonder. Don't worry. Don't freak out about this Antichrist situation. Verse 24. But in those days, after tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. A lot of in scripture, when there's apocalyptic language like this, we, we pass by what's happening, where if we read this in the newspaper about this happening, it would, it would do something different to us than just reading it out of the Bible. I want you to connect with, with what's happening, what is being said. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Have you ever been someplace that was really, really cold and really, really dark and you didn't know where you were? And how scary that is? When I was uh, right out of college, I went to uh, this a, a training program. I worked in insurance for a while. And I went to a training program for six weeks in Boston. And they put us up in a a hotel, or not a hotel, an apartment complex in, in Boston, in downtown. And uh, like the the first the second weekend we were there, a bunch of the guys that were part of this program went went to this to hang out at this bar downtown, and I didn't know any of these guys and I didn't drink and, uh, but I was I was 24, so was still pretty young, and we're all sitting around this this bar and uh, there's a girl that I'd been talking to, uh, and so uh, those guys who know me well are the ones that are laughing. Because that was like the fourth that I ever talked to you. The fifth, the, the fifth one is right there. Uh, so the the guys that I was with didn't really know me very well, and they just left. They're like Rick's talking to that girl over there, and they just left. And we were like probably a mile away from where our apartment was, and I'd been there for like thirteen days, and so. The place closes and and I walk out and I'm I'm thinking my buddies are going to be like right outside and they're not and it's one in the morning and I'm like and I've got no idea where I am and I, I'm lucky to be able to make my way home from here tonight <laughs> I, I don't I don't know direction very well and so here I am in a strange city it's one in the morning it's really dark it's really cold and I've got no idea where I am and it was scared to death, this 24-year-old kid, and it's, I, I don't remember being more scared of whether or not I was going to sleep outside or make it back home or whatever. I'm looking for a cop to say, I think the apartment I live in is, is this one, but I'm not really sure, can you, somehow, some way, I was able to, to make my way back home. But as as I remember those moments of being scared to death, of being dark and cold and having no idea where I was, and multiply that feeling by a whole lot and I come to this spot where after the tribulation, the sun is dark, the moon is dark, stars are falling from the sky, we have no idea where we are. It's beautiful. Verse 26 says, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. I was studying this this week. Every time I got to this verse, I stopped and I closed my eyes and I imagined that dark day where the sun is gone, the moon is gone, we've experienced this great tribulation that the world has never seen. The awful, horrific nature of that and see this. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Not the Jesus on your grandma's wall. This is warrior Jesus coming to wreak havoc on this planet and destroy those who are these false Christs. Destroy those who have tried to destroy and lead astray His elect. Remember our last, Dave's last point, or his last imperative, endure. As we try to endure on this planet, verse 26, and, they, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And remember, Of this Olivet Discourse. The point of Jesus is to give passion and strength and hope and courage to his people. He is being a pastor to them. Endure because I'm coming back for you. When life is at its darkest and evil is crouching in and pressing in. Jesus is coming back and he is in control. Verse 27 And then He will send out the angels and gather His elect. The elect are the believers, the Christians, you and I. From the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Then He closes things with this illustration. And I don't want to say much about it. Let Christ's words speak for themselves. For from the fig tree learn this lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. As evil crouches around us, the time is right. The time is coming. So also, when you see these things taking place, know that He is near. At the very gates. When evil crouches, when difficulties happen, endure because the lesson from the fig tree is that Jesus is near. Stop and breathe deep that truth from Scripture. In a world filled with disease and epidemics and hate and racism and war, The fig tree is in full leaf. He is near. He's at the very gates. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Our Savior, our true Christ, will return for us. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And as we interact and are now taught how to live and act in this evil world, Understand the last verse there. From the ends, I'm sorry, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Let's pray. God, I thank you for Jesus, I thank you for his pastoral work. I thank You for hope in the midst of times where we can truly say we are in the abomination of desolation, God. God, we see the life of Christ and how these irreligious Roman authorities gathered around the temple in those days in Jerusalem and killed Your Son The idol that profanes is present there. The idol that profanes is present in Mark's audience. The idol that profanes is present here in our generation, God. And we cling to Your promises. We seek to endure through Your help. We trust You fully. We trust You completely. We trust in Your Son, the true Christ. It's in His name that I pray. Amen.